I mean, if you just want to invest in somebody's deal just to watch how they how they run the deal, that is more of an education than reading books, watching YouTube, that kind of stuff. So I think the number one thing is either find a mentor, partner with somebody, or invest in a syndication and just absorb as much information as you can. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Refined Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host today, Ian Armour, and uh, today we are bringing on a guest. His name is Gabe Peterson. So Gabe brings in a lot of cool insights on uh, what their business is doing, and uh, it mostly involves trailer parks and uh, self-storage. Uh, but before we get into that, just know that we are real estate investors here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. We've done flips, we've done burrs, wholesales, and uh, we've owned own about 80 units with more to come. Um, if you are enjoying this podcast, please rate and review. Uh, we really appreciate the five-star reviews so we can uh, continue to grow this and uh, reach more people. Um, and I'll remind you as well that myself and Janelle are mortgage brokers with the Blake Wilson Group. So we specialize with uh, investors and people that uh, are looking to scale their portfolios. So uh, without further ado, we're going to get into this episode and I really hope you guys enjoy. All right, Gabe. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. So uh, first, let's start off with getting a little bit about your background, your story, and then uh, move on to where you're at now. Sweet. Ian, yeah, thank you for having me on. Story. I guess I will take you guys... I don't know how, how much time we got to go into this, but I'll just take you guys back to the beginning. After college, I was going to be a lawyer, and I quickly realized, I shadowed some people, realized that it was not for me, but I didn't have a backup plan, and so I uh, you know, just started trying things. Um, a friend of mine was working in consulting, and so I got a job at a consulting firm, but you know, the instant I started that job, I realized like this is not for me. I need to find something else, and I, I'd always kind of had a... Uh, entrepreneurial bug. Um, you know, I wanted to start something myself, but I didn't really have anybody, you know, in my immediate circle to kind of show me how to do this. Um, and so I was, I was working corporate and then I, on the side, I was just trying businesses. Like I was that guy, I'm, I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast, you know, in your early twenties, you're flipping through Facebook and you got those ads, like start a drop shipping store, start a marketing, online marketing and all those things. So I, I tried all those things. I started a, a drop shipping store. We got it up to like 20,000 a month um, in gross, not net revenue, which isn't a ton of, of um, net revenue for drop shipping. Uh, and I just, you know, I really didn't like that. And then I started a marketing, uh, digital marketing agency, quote unquote, didn't like doing that. Just didn't like sitting behind the desk. Uh, and this whole time I was working in corporate, but I was just desperate to find a way out. And so in 2014, I, uh, I did my first flip with a buddy here in Tacoma. Um, we made, I think it was like $74,000 on that flip, um, which was the most money I'd ever seen in a single check. And I was like, okay, there's something to this. But I mean, that was 2014 and I didn't really exit, make this a full-time, you know, full-time job until 2019, 20, like the, yeah, the end of 2019. That whole time I was, you know, doing flips, doing wholesales, but I was doing it on the side. I was still working. I was just kind of too too afraid to make that leap. Um, but I finally did make the leap a couple of years ago, 2019 and got into commercial. And ever since then I've, uh, no looking back. 
Yeah, no, that's awesome. So again, similar start to how I, I did it as well. So started flipping some homes. Um, and then, yeah, again, it's, it's kind of the natural progression in real estate to move from that to, uh, getting into some of the larger stuff. And, uh, yeah, so we, we, we both had very similar origin stories in that sense. So, uh, so yeah, let's maybe, uh, move into what, uh, what types of things you have on the go now. Yeah. Um, I mean, so now our focus is self-storage and mobile home RV parks. Uh, we look at other stuff too, but that's the, that's the bread and butter. My first foray into commercial was a mobile home park, you know, giant dialing it back to 2019. Again, we, uh, I had been doing flips. I had rentals like duplex, yada, yada. Um, but you know, with single family and, and duplexes, you can definitely exit, you know, the rat race and, you know, get enough money to, to live off of doing that way. I just, it didn't in my mind, I couldn't see how it scaled well. And so I really wanted to find a different way. And I just started looking at different asset classes. Somebody I'd met in the networking that I, that I had been doing, uh, was in a mobile home park. He took a course, uh, I think it was Kevin Bupp's course. And you know, we, we talked and I was like, okay, mobile home parks sound good. I didn't really know too much about them at the time, but I, I understood the fundamentals. I knew they were recession resistant and um, that they cash flow well. And I also knew that unlike multifamily, there are no uh, toilets that you have to fix, no broken windows you have to fix, stuff like that. Really, you only care about the utilities, the underground utilities, you know, you, the sewer system, the electric, all that stuff. Uh, and then obviously the, the cleanliness of the park. Um, so there's a lot less that you have to worry about and the cash flow is great and it's recession resistant, which sold me on it. I was like, okay, let's do it. So 2019, we started marketing. We found our first deal here in Washington state in, uh, where was it? George, George Washington, uh, which is just the tiniest little dot of a town, <laughs> but it's on a, it's on a major highway and we kind of got, you know, I didn't know as much about due diligence that I do now. Uh, so I feel like we kind of lucked out on that first deal. If it had not been on a major highway, that would have been a major problem. And, uh, we, we wouldn't have done as well as we had, but, uh, we bought it. Um, we bought it with seller financing, which I love to talk about seller financing pretty much actually every single, most of the deals that I have done that I purchased for myself have been seller financed. Most of them, some of them have been financed, you know, bank financed or uh, bought with cash, but, um, seller financing. I love it. It's how we bought this first deal. We negotiated, um, 20% down. He carried the 80% note at three point. I think it was 3.6% interest or no, it was almost 4%. Maybe it was like 3.8% interest, but at the time interest rates were super low. And so great interest rate. And then it had a, a five-year balloon. We've already re refinanced out, took out equity that we could buy with other or use to buy other properties. And it was just, it was just a good deal. A uh, really solid tenant, solid tenant base with uh, migrant workers coming into the area. Cause there was a lot of farming there. The, uh, the, the value add that we did, it was, he, the owner that had this sold this property to us, he was, he was just this big time potato farmer and he just didn't care about this thing at all. So he didn't do any maintenance. He didn't do He didn't do anything to the park. And so we went in there, we cleaned it up. Um, we added utilities to add additional spaces. Uh, and then it started cash flowing. Um, and it, there were three partners that went into it and it cash flowed enough to where each of us are taking out 2000 a month, um, you know, in income that we can personally use and that totally sold me on it. And so since then, um, you know, we bought with that partnership, I bought another mobile home park and, uh, then I started looking, you know, I like mobile home parks, but I really wanted to buy something 
that didn't have people living in it. I just, I like the idea of owning more of a business than a, uh, a home just because, you know, evictions are a necessary part of real estate and it's something you definitely have to do, but it's not something I enjoy. And so I started looking at self-storage. Uh, it's another recession resistant asset class, another asset class where there's very minimal, minimal repairs and great cash flow. And so jumped into that, bought five facilities um, in 2021 um, in 2022. And that brings us to today. Yeah, that's a lot to unpack there. So uh, I guess we'll start from the beginning. So where where are you finding these deals? Is it on market, off market, or how how maybe walk us through how those deals are coming to yeah, you? Yeah, everything is a hundred percent off market. Um, so we do. I mean, nothing nothing new. Uh, we're not reinventing the wheel when it comes to finding off market deals, but we just do do it consistently. And so we do mailers, we do texting, uh, cold calling, skip, you know, find our, create our list, skip, trace it, hit it with by every, every angle that we can hit it with. And then we find them off market. And that's nothing. I mean, there's no, great incredible. deals on market. It's just, and it's just not a strategy that I've uh, implemented yet. I, I have been meaning to set aside a day in my, in my week to just start calling brokers because brokers, you know, they have great deals too. Although they do really frustrate me when it comes to mobile home parks, because they always add the the um, tenant owned home income in the cap rate calculation. And it shouldn't be, it's not a, it's not supposed to be capitalized. It's uh, it's a depreciating asset. You know, you don't own, it's, it's not, a, it's just not how it should be capitalized. Um, because when you buy these parks, you're going to sell it back to the tenant anyways, because you don't want to own the mobile home. So that's my only gripe with brokers, but it's been, I've been meaning to do it. The main way we, we, uh, you know, add brokers into our, into our marketing system, but the main way is just off market mailers, calls, that kind of stuff. No, that's great. Um, so then I guess next question, uh, when it comes to either the parks or the storage facilities, how much work are you actually putting into them? Um, work in terms of my renovation or like CapEx? No CapEx. CapEx. Okay. It, I mean, it varies. Uh, for for self-storage facilities, it your basic CapEx is going to be doors that you need to fix, painting the facility, and then gate and fence and security system. Those are the pretty much the only things that you need to worry about. And then also the aisles, you know, if you need to uh, repave or regravel. Um, but there's not, in terms of capex, there's not as much as other asset classes. Um, and so those ones, you know, it'll it'll depend. But it, my uh, the goal is to be well. It, it just depends on the facility. But those are the those are the main buckets that you're going to be bidding out. Uh, for mobile home parks, like that first one we bought. So that was our the first commercial deal we did. And so we we didn't have the CapEx that we needed. Had I done it again, I would have had more. We just didn't have the money at the time. Um, I just I would have had more CapEx going into it to do more repairs. But we bought it with like all the money that we had. And we used, from the purchase, we used the cash flow to start doing the repairs. But And I, I've learned that lesson so many times in different deals. Always have more CapEx going into the deal than you think you need. Just budget for it and do it right when you buy that property because, I, I mean, I just learned it. I'm selling a facility in uh, Arkansas, a self-storage facility. I bought it. It didn't have a fence or a gate. I was thinking to myself, this is a great deal. I'm going to do, I'll use the cash flow from the property and I'll build the fence and gate, you know, as time goes on. It would have cost, you know, the fence and gate costs like 30000 35000 something like that. I even had a quote for it. But we we filled it up. We filled the facility up. It started cash flowing. And then in December of last year, this group of like thieves came in and they completely destroyed every single door in the facility. No joke. Oh, no. They broke just 
ransack the facility. And so, I mean, at this point, I'm just like putting my hands up. I'm selling the facility. We're still making a little bit of a profit, but not not as much. But the lesson there is I should have had more CapEx going in, done the fence, done the gate right at the get-go. And it's just, you know, it's a good lesson to learn. And it's something that I'm definitely <clears throat> going to be going to be doing going forward. No, no, absolutely. Um, so then I guess uh, next on to the financing. So pretty much all of it seller financing with the, the goal to then refinance into tr- traditional or are you doing some of these longer notes with, uh, with some of the uh, previous owners? Generally, what we put forward is low down payment. So we, you know, we try to do, well, I mean, it depends on the deal. If, it, if the debt coverage ratio isn't good, um, then we're going to put more down. But we like to find really good deals that we can, we know at the end of year one, we're going to have uh, a great cash flow. Um, so we like to ask 10% down, we give them a good interest rate, but we do interest only. And so um, it's still cash flow as well. They still make a lot of money. And then we do a five year um, balloon. Uh, that's, that's just what I like to put forward from the outset. Um, and that's how I've closed a few of them, but, uh, it really depends on the deal. You know, I try to work with the seller and the, the idea about the five-year balloon is we want to refinance. We want to refinance at year three so we can pull out the equity, use that equity to buy more properties. But you know, the five years is just in case we need a little bit extra time, but we've done it. Like I bought a deal in uh, Indiana last year seller financed 10 percent down uh he gave us five percent interest only which is great but he he wants to he's planning on using this interest only payment as his retirement and so he doesn't want any balloon so he requested a 20-year interest only seller finance note and then a balloon in 20 years and so we're like hey that sounds good to us sounds awesome yeah so that one worked out well um and then another one like the mobile home park we bought out in uh um, here in Washington, uh, the second one we bought, um, that one was seller financed and it was amortized over 11 years, just fully amortized. So there's no balloon, you know, at the end of year 11, there is no more, no more note. Uh, but he gave us a, uh, an absurd interest rate. It was like 2.87 or something like that. Really good. And that's principal and interest payments each month type yep, deal? Principal and interest. Yep. Yeah. Um, very cool. Yeah. So really depends, uh, depends on what each, each party wants. I find it, it's, when talking with sellers, it is uh, the language they like to hear is the monthly income that they want, and you can work around that. You know, we need a, a return, but we can hit their monthly income by doing. You know, if, if it's high, we can hit it by. The, I'm, uh, I'm going to use an example for the the one in Indianapolis. He wanted a, a price point that was above market, and so if we had done principal and interest, it wouldn't have worked. So that's why we did interest only. Uh, which allowed us to buy it at the higher price. It still made sense because there's a lot of upside in the property, but uh, he still, he got the, he got his purchase price. We got the property and we could still cash flow because it was interest only. Oh, that's awesome. Win wins. Yeah. So uh, let's move into uh, telling, tell me a bit about your team. Like who all is involved in these and uh, yeah, how you, maybe even how you found some of the team members. Yeah. So, with the uh, with mobile home parks, uh, I had two partners, or I have two partners, and we, you know, we work together to find the properties, and each team member kind of takes a role, and then we have a on-site property manager that uh, manages the properties themselves, and we kind of asset manage them. The self storage, I've done it, you know, different ways. I have a third-party property management company that I work with to do the management of the properties themselves, and then I've done JV, you know, deals with uh, individual investors. I uh, bought them with cash. 
Uh, but in terms of like the team, like the company team, like who's actually doing the work, uh, it's really, you know, third party property managers I couldn't live without. And then all my VAs and me, and then a, a partner that I work with, it's not a big team. It's just a, just a couple handful of people, but, uh, we get it done. No, that's awesome. Uh, so let's uh, maybe go back to the beginning. Uh, so what are, well, I, with our show, we always have a mixed uh, mixed audience of people listening to these. So some people are, are quite new. So, you know, growing to the point of, uh, of uh, trying a few different businesses into finally finding your stride, what's some of the piece of his, pieces of advice that uh, you'd give to people that are, you know, very interested in real estate but having trouble finding their footing? Yeah, how I've thought about this for myself. Like, how would I have made the process go quicker? I think the, the best way is just to learn from somebody who's doing it. So partner with somebody that is already doing deals, figure out how you can add value to what they're doing. Or if you, I mean, if you just want to invest in somebody's deal just to watch how they, how they run the deal, that is more of an education than reading books, watching YouTube, that kind of stuff. So I think the number one thing is either find a mentor, partner with somebody or invest in a syndication and just absorb as much information as you can. That'll really give you a good footing to, to, to move forward. And then just action, action, action. You know, you can, if you want to find deals off market, you can definitely do that. It takes a little bit more money. You know, you got to have marketing spend to do that or just start calling brokers. It's difficult to get brokers to give you deals if you don't have properties under, you know, under management already. But if you do enough calls, eventually you're going to find something, but don't wait to close on something. That's the biggest advice I'd give somebody new is, uh, it's scary that first deal that you close, it do, you're always going to second guess your underwriting. You're going to second guess whether you can do it, whether it's a smart idea in five years, if everybody's going to be laughing at you, that kind of thing. But it's just, it's just shit that's going on in your head. Every single, you know, I have a podcast myself. We've had probably about 400 and something guests on the show. And I, in my podcast, I asked, what would you do differently if you could go back in time? And they all like 90% of them say, I wish I'd started sooner. So if there's anybody new out there, don't waste time, get it done. Just go out there, close a deal. Once you get in the game, you start to get traction. And that's, uh, that's the mo most important thing. So it doesn't matter how big the deal is. Go as big as you can, um, but, and, but just don't, don't waste time. Oh, that's great advice. And yeah, you hear that uh, echoed across so many uh, different podcasts, books, all that type of stuff. And it's like... You know, if uh, if I was asked that question, I'd probably say something very similar. Yeah. So, uh, no, it's just you, you really got to get that drilled into your head that it's like the sooner you start, the better. And I look at myself, too, and it's like, yeah, that's that that would be um, something that I would echo as well. So, no, definitely appreciate that. Yeah. So so uh, so what's next for you guys? Like, wh where are you guys trying to grow or what uh, sort of efforts are you doubling down on? Um, we actually just had a. Me and my partner just had a meeting right before this uh, talking about because we want to close, you know, we're doing wholesales, but we haven't found a really good deal in a while. Like we closed, we bought five properties um, last year and, but we haven't, I haven't bought a deal in probably about a year. And so we're, we're frustrated. The market, I just feel like, it would, you know, there's as many excuses as you want, but, um, but we want to, you know, next for us, our, our, our big goal is to ramp up marketing. Um, it's all, it's a volume game when it comes to off market deals, it's just volume. So we're, uh, you know, we kind of dialed back marketing for a while. 
um, thinking that we could just do it with the, you know, the small amount that we had. And it didn't, that's not the case. You got to, you got to have the volume. So we're ramping back marketing and uh, we want to get some deals closed. No, that's great. And now in terms of like the current landscape of, you know, interest rates and just everything else that's going on in the world, do you feel like that's uh, slowing you guys down or? Yeah. I mean, interest rates themselves don't really prevent you from closing on deals. Obviously the problem is when seller expectations don't align with the current interest rate market. And so what we've been finding is that sellers still have the expect the sales expectation of a 3% interest rate environment when the interest rate is 7%. And so they're asking for like a 4 cap, a 5 cap, but if you're getting 7% on your in, on your loan and you have a 5% a 5 cap property, then you're losing money. It's not I mean, obviously there's a lot that goes into it, but just the the general idea is that Interest rates don't prevent you, but it's just we found the sellers, their their expectations are not in line with the current market. No, definitely makes sense. And uh, I know it's something that we've discussed on this podcast before. It's like, you know, yes, it's difficult to make deals work with where interest rates are now. And just lending in general is uh, is a bit challenging. But if it wasn't, then think about how many more people would be out there trying to buy the same deals you're trying to buy. So it's, you know, pick your evil. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's something we're we're looking at. So again, we've I I just closed on a a house flip uh, here where I'm living. Uh, We just closed on 38 units down in Cleveland, and we're about to close on another 38. And uh, again, it was like, yeah, the interest rates suck. But if we can make it work in this climate, just wait till we have lower interest rates. And by that time, everyone else is going to be back buying. So, uh, yeah, are you guys uh, uh, ignore what are you guys buying in um, like you're going in strategy? Are you are you buying for cash flow or are you doing a are you uh, forced appreciation? So you're doing like a renovation and all that stuff? Nope. Yeah. Uh, the second option there. So finding things that uh, that need that value add in markets that have the opportunity have the um you know the after repair rents that you can receive and all that stuff but uh we like the cleveland market right now because it just so happens we are cash flowing on the buy so it's you know i i i looked over deals in my current market like high and low and at no point are you ever seeing like cash flow on any buy and not even remotely close so that was where we pivoted in our business and said, okay, let's go to where markets uh, are making more sense. So, uh, um, and we've touched on that in the podcast before that, uh, yeah, just because, you know, real estate is harder to make work here. Um, maybe that's a good opportunity to, uh, to go explore other markets. So, and, and it's, yeah, sounds like you guys are, you know, in a bunch of different markets. So it's, it's, let's go find, uh, where these deals make sense and not just, you know, your local market. So, yeah. uh, so yeah, I know that that's That's great. All, so. yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I feel like the, the downside of that though, is it's so easy to choose a market. And then if you don't find, if you don't get your traction that you're looking for to think, ah, oh, the market's shit, I got to choose a new market. But <laughs> I found myself doing that. Um, you know, we bought a few in Texas and then all of a sudden we couldn't find them. And I was like, okay, no, 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 we're going to go somewhere else. We're going to check out Indiana. Uh, but really there's still deals, deals there. It's just like, you know, at that moment we weren't able to find, find the right deal. But, but yeah, I, I feel you on that. Yeah, no. And it's, uh, 
I know when we were first like, okay, we, you know, we, we know our current market is like really tough to, to make work. So, you know, let's go down and look in the States and, uh, just so happens the States is quite large. So, uh, you're doing some market research in Texas and North Carolina and South Carolina and, you know, wherever it is. So it was, uh, it was definitely uh, like, a overload when when first starting and then uh then gain some competitive advantages in uh, in cleveland so said all right well let's uh let's really just double down here and just uh hit this market really hard so that that helped us make uh make our decision there so. and uh where are you guys located in canada so we're actually in uh, halifax nova scotia so oh, okay. on the east coast um like right basically right on the ocean there and um yeah it, you know this was one of the most affordable places in canada about you know five six seven years ago and then uh over the last three four years it's just absolutely exploded uh here um so yeah some of the deals that used to make sense don't make sense at all uh so fortunate that uh was able to buy a, a handful of buildings around here uh before things went absolutely crazy but uh but yeah where uh, it, it's really tough to, to, to buy, you know, a, a multifamily building here and our laws are not friendly for it and tenant, uh, tenant, uh, not, it's very tenant friendly and, and not so much for the landlords. So, uh, so when for us, uh, we wanted to scale up, so we knew uh, we, we, we might have to tweak the plan and that's what we did. So. Yep. Makes sense. So, yeah, I guess on that note, uh, so any big pivots for you guys um, over the over the the last few years, or uh, like strategy wise or asset class wise, or I mean, adding self storage was a pivot, um, and that was uh, that was in twenty twenty one. But I mean, outside of that, we've really we've just kind of doubled down self storage, mobile home RV. Um, we have started to market a little bit for uh mixed use industrial but that's just kind of like a side a side project that we have we our our main focus is self storage mobile home rv yeah no that's great but uh yeah so i guess uh thank you very much for your time gabe uh definitely some awesome insight and it's yeah it's just cool connecting with other investors all over north america cuz uh you know, I, I say it is hard to make it work in the market that we have here, but it's like it still does work. And uh, just hearing how uh, other people are growing and expanding their business is uh, some great insight. So uh, really appreciate your time and uh, looking forward to connect with you in the future. Yeah, Ian, thanks for having me on. All right. Well, uh, that's it for us today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. 